you say to the individuals or the groups that continue to say that we don't have those kind of kids, it won't happen here? I mean, you've covered all of these events. And let me ask you, were did it matter if they were higher socioeconomic or lower socioeconomic nope. Nope. neighborhoods or communities? Did that matter? Money, money doesn't matter. Geography doesn't matter. Do you think that the the poor, the community in Sutherland Springs, it's a tiny itty bitty church on the side of a highway mm -hmm. where people were slaughtered. I'm, I'm not going to go into detail because I don't think I, I should, yeah. and nor I don't think I can. But there, it's a tiny community that is that is rooted in faith in love for each other, in service. I spent a week there and I got that from day one. Mm -hmm. Do you think that they thought that somebody was gonna come in with an AR-15 rifle and, and, and shoot all of them, basically? It, it's, it is incomprehensible, the evil that I've seen that people do to each other, and I know you have too. Yes, and, and, and what I always try to make people understand is that violence does not know race, no. nor color, nor creed. That it, it is what it is, and and, and it Anyone. always shows itself. Yes. And we have to get to a point where we're identifying that. Yes. And that we have to start putting monetary and human resources into identifying behavior patterns of individuals who want to harm themselves or others. Right. Instead of solely relying on law enforcement to save us, because we know that that's not going to happen. You talk about Sutherland Springs, okay? Yeah. In Sutherland Springs, who prevented or who stopped that killing? Another armed resident. A neighbor yeah. who heard the shots. Mm -hmm. It wasn't law enforcement. No, I, they geographically not. I and I, you know, I don't right. know where the nearest sheriff's yeah. department is, but geographically driving there multiple days during the week, it's far. It's far, right? So it was an individual who overheard it who responded, and so. You know, it absolutely drives me insane when we continue to see, you know, more laws being put in place that are, you know, putting more law enforcement resources into schools and whatnot. And listen, I'm not saying that we don't need that. Yeah. They are a part of the solution. They are not the solution. Data and science will tell mm -hmm. us since Columbine from yes. the National Threat Assessment Center that if we can get out ahead of someone who wants to cause harm by observing their patterns of behavior, which are always there, right. then we can stop that individual from harming themselves or others. Because mm -hmm. what people don't understand is that the likelihood of a mass attack is a lot less than the likelihood of that individual taking their own life. And one is not less tragic than the other. No. And so we have to change our approach, not only in schools, but in our manufacturing facilities, mm -hmm. in our corporate offices, in our theme parks, in our shopping malls, in our grocery stores. That has to change. Yeah. If someone is, is exhibiting these, these signs and symptoms of behavior, we have to have resources. Absolutely. And we have to be advocating at the highest level for those resources to be funded because it's not enough to say that we just built a law or we wrote a law. Right. You got to give have to resources give to make money, it happen. Right. And we have to take away 
our own emotional and personal biases when we make those decisions as lawmakers. And I know we said we're not getting into politics, but I'm kind of dabbling. I'm dabbling on that edge. I'm not asking yeah. you to, to participate. Can't join you there. I'm sorry. Yeah, don't join me there. Yeah. Um, but so as someone who's seen this level of tragedy, working in the field in which you've worked, would you say that there is a that there is a certain level of trauma that even reporters oh, suffer yeah. from? Absolutely. You know, you have to go home at night after a young child has been murdered, mm -hmm. and stay up at night thinking about the effects of that event on that child's family, or mm -hmm. the horror that that child must have faced in those last moments of mm -hmm. their life. Yes. Um, so what what do individuals like yourself that have been in the in the space uh, in media how do y'all resolve with that resolve mm -hmm. that how do you mental cope health? with that mental health resources yeah it's interesting that you mentioned that because i just started working um with a large journalism organization i'm um, heading up a task force with incredible um members to try to provide some answers to how we as a profession can deal with it better because let's let's use law enforcement as an example. Mm -hmm. There are mandatory debriefs, right? After an incident, you bring in a psychologist who is trauma informed. They do, the, you know, they go through the th the steps that need to be taken that we know scientifically that work after an event like this. Right. In the newsrooms, um, mind you, we are still, you know, we're still covering the event. I'm still out. I'm still producing multiple stories a day. They bring in experts to talk to us. They bring in counselors. They provide that. The organization that I used to work for did that. Um, I don't know if that is 100% effective. I don't know if the counselors they bring in are trauma-informed. I don't know if some of the folks who are um, in charge at news organizations know what that means.